Hey nerds, I'm Michael Moore, hosting this podcast for Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. I'm here with Jake Randolph, Director of Information Technology at Western Steel Buildings. Hey Jake, how's it going today? Good, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing really good. Thank you very much. It's great to have you on the program. Uh, now it's time for our icebreaker segment, Random Access Memories. I ask a question, and then you just respond with the answer that comes to your head first. Your first question is, if you got stranded on an island, what piece of technology would you hope to have? Ooh, GPS beacon. See, that's a good, that's a great answer. You know, <laughs> everyone can be like, no, I got my tablet. No, I got this. It's going to run out of power. But you're like, no, GPS beacon. I want it right now. I love it. <laughs> Right straight to the point. Get me off this island. Exactly. <laughs> um, your next question. Light mode or dark, dark mode. mode? Dark mode all the way. Oh, man. You know, how often do you <laughs> uh, um, bring up a website or bring up an application? Most of the stuff can be hit with like, you know, uh, I know there's a, an extension that you can use to kind of make it dark, but how many times do you try to pop that uh, pop up something and uh, um, like an application that just won't work with anything and it's just oh, in their bright space? Especially late at night, and then you end up putting your blue screen filter on through your settings, <laughs> turn your brightness down. You're like, God, I just can't deal with this right now. It's, it's you... too much. Too much. <laughs> you got your uh, yellow blue light glasses on. You got everything you can, but no, uh, <laughs> dark mode all the way. There's 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 no other answer to that. I I, I agree with you on that one. <clears throat> um, if you're uh, if your computer suddenly became sentient, what's the first thing that you would do? Whoa, what a question. If it suddenly <laughs> became sentient, uh, ooh, do I go with a funny answer of don't tell my wife about my browsing history? <laughs> or <laughs> what direction do you go on that? I don't know. A, a sentient okay, what's computer. the second thing that you would do? <laughs> what's, <laughs> the, what's the second thing you would do? You know, uh, perform all of my coding for me, please. Please just do it for me. Just I, if I tell you what I want, will you do it for me? Just start asking questions. <laughs> Listen, we can make a good partnership. All right, <laughs> we we can really make this work. I keep you filled with power. You give me all my coding needs. Like let's just let's. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, um, you know, I uh, I'm glad you're on. Uh, um, I was looking at your LinkedIn, and uh, I have one question for you. Yeah. Why is your LinkedIn so devoid of any information at all? Okay, so the the short answer to this is um, I've been in, I've been in many different careers. Started in the Air Force, uh, moved into the oil field, moved into some manufacturing, did some sales, things like that. But the long answer is why my LinkedIn is so short as far as uh, IT and technology comes to hand is uh, it's only been the last three or four years of my life uh, that I have been on the good side of IT. Uh, I kind of started my, <laughs> started my, I, you know, my computer world. I started back in DOS when I was a kid, you know, I had, um, you know, green screens and started learning coding, started basically doing things like that. And then I got really interested in breaking systems, really, really interested in breaking through security protocols, figuring out um, black hat operations, things like that. Got really into uh, cracking Windows 7. Um, the Windows 7 Black Edition was something I worked really hard with. And then uh, 
yeah, it just got, get, it started going further and further down the rabbit hole. It started getting more and more unethical. And then uh, I realized that I wasn't on a path that I really liked to be. And so I started using my powers for good. Um, started uh, really focusing on ethical hacking, um, red teaming, things like that, and actually fixing the problems versus being a problem. Oh, see, now we, we like to hear that. <laughs> we like to hear the reformed. Uh, uh, now, I, you know, it's interesting too. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of uh, folks um, you know, that when you first get into IT and you start realizing all the things that you can do, right. And all the ways that you can break things and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Very tempting to go down that route. Very <laughs> but, much so. uh, um, you know, we have to, uh, uh, we have to resist the dark side, so to speak, you know, um, yes. uh, no, I'm, it's actually interesting to hear. Uh, I would probably could go into a whole bunch of that. Um, yeah, what's also interesting though too is I actually saw that um uh uh you were a recruiting manager uh underline drivers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yep. t- tell me a little bit about that. So I actually just recruited truck drivers. Uh it was a it was a it was a daytime job um that got me paid um while I was doing other things on the back end um that were not so ethical. Like I said, it was one of those things. I've I've had many, many jobs on the front end just to kind of support um you know, support my family and make sure that I was paying my rent and buying the toys that I wanted to play with and spending a lot of time on hack five and learning a ton about, you know, uh, Wi-Fi cracking and things like that. And so it, I've had a lot of day jobs. <laughs> no, it's a, well, Hey, you know, what's great about that though, right. Is having a lot of day jobs is that, uh, it gives you so much, uh, a diverse experience, uh, to be able to tackle a whole host of issues. You know, when you get, you know, if you've only done one thing, if you've only been in one slot uh, your entire career, <clears throat> then you have a um, you may be really good at it, but your focus is pretty narrow. If you right. expand out your, um, you know, your your different job settings and stuff, it allows you to kind of uh, um, be able to adapt to different situations and use that life experience and, and those different work experiences. Right. Yes, absolutely. And and being a recruiter actually, you know, helped me hone one of the best tools in in today's hacking world. Um, and that's social engineering. That was learning how to talk to people, learning how to sell yourself, and learning how to get into anybody's situation and make common ground, and then you know start getting information from them. To obviously, I wanted to recruit them to be a driver, but at the same time, it was a great practice of learning just how to talk to people. Um, so many um, IT professionals that I run into have a really hard time with the uh, the social boundaries, especially when they're very good at what they do. Um, they have a really hard time in the social aspects of life and and making connections and making real connections that aren't uh, through a digital screen. And so it's interesting when you you know when you go into something like pen testing and and red teaming, you know, one of the things that you really want to do is you want to get a hold of cards. You want to, you want people to give up their information because it's the easiest way to go about it. And so uh, everything that I've done uh, being a recruiting manager, like I said, I took, I took skills from that to apply it to the IT world. Um, there's, uh, you know, when I was in the oil field, you know, learning how to use antiquated uh, technology and understanding how that technology um, could be blended with uh, new stuff. That was that was something that was really really fun for me with uh, Chesapeake International. And then it, it there's a lot of skills that are outside of the wheelhouse of what everybody uh, thinks is a typical IT guy. And if you apply those skills, I think you become a better IT guy. Now, I mean, you mentioned so many interesting things in there. I mean, 
rest in peace to Kevin Mitnick, right? Who right. Uh, basically, uh, uh, um, you know, made social engineering uh, such a uh, such a common uh, uh, attack, so common that you know, I think it was just what MGM Grand, uh, uh, you know, was just hit by it, right? But that you Correct. know, they, I think they were social engineered <clears throat> into one of the biggest. You know, if you can hit the MGM Grand, I mean, it's like that's pretty. Uh, it's pretty interesting. So, um, such an interesting, uh, uh, you know, always evolving piece. It's such a old technique that's been used even back before there were computers, right? Correct. And just continuously adapted, and people just fall for it because you know people want to be. There's a good part portion of the of the. Um, public that want to be good and want to help yes and they and they get tricked into uh social engineering which i think a lot of people have uh dabbled in so you know absolutely whether they know it or not (laughs) exactly (laughs) well you also mentioned too um uh, uh chesapeake international and uh, and you were talking a little bit about um these antiquated systems in in relation to i believe it was the oil Correct. Oil fields. Right. Do you want to expand upon that a little bit? What what that meant? Well, it actually expands into, you know, where my career has landed now. You know, working with Western Steel Buildings, we're uh we're a metal building supplier, essentially. And we work with fabricators all over the world. And uh it's it's really given me more insight to some of the some of the great problems in in technology that we're going to experience as a specifically in America. Um, if you look at if you look at manufacturing as a whole, manufacturing oil field, mining, um, farming, there's there's so many aspects and there's so much technology that goes into it. A lot of people don't realize how many access points are on a farm, for instance. There's access points everywhere. It's usually antiquated access points that are you know WPS at, at best, or uh, you might find some WPA too. Um, but for the most part, they're they're very simple to get into. They're there's they're simple people. They don't they don't see those types of things becoming an issue. Well, we started noticing a lot of uh, it started really coming to light in the war in Ukraine. If you start looking at what Russia was uh, using some of their cells for, and that was to attack manufacturing directly in other countries. We've seen it. We've seen it over the past five years, especially. And so when we look at our manufacturing world and we look at the technology that's there, um, for instance, uh, I'll give you a great example of a fantastic program, um, but it's so antiquated and so outdated, but it's an amazing program, um, MBS, metal, be- metal Building Software. It's used by some of the biggest manufacturers and metal buildings in the world, and it's 30 years old. The interface on it is that of uh, Windows XP at best. Uh, it looks oh. uh, it looks like it was upgraded from 95. And you, you look at the Got interface. Fl- does it have at- like Flippy dancing on oh. the desktop? Basically, I mean, it, that's the only thing that's missing from it. <laughs> and you look at the way that the databases are built; they're they're built upon, you know, the really old style of um, of Excel, and it's it's really incredible to see these systems still being used today. And then when you start looking at it, they're secured by hardware keys. Like they've got some advanced uh, technology there, but they're easy to crack too. And so as these technologies keep coming in, and as these places uh, start becoming bigger targets, um, companies like mine, um, we're a small and medium business, and our revenue is high. Our revenue is that of interest. And social engineering and using those backdoors to get into our systems is something that I would be interested in doing if I was on the other side. Um, there's you know, let, other me, ma- let me... Let me pause you for a minute because you said something's really interesting. On. <laughs> and I want to expand upon it because um, 
I I get I get to talk to a lot of uh, a lot of folks uh, <laughs> in a lot of different industries, and I get to uh, talk to them about IT, and and uh, I'm very lucky to have the opportunity to do so. Um, when I do, there seems to be this misconception. Uh, and and I and you know I said it on here about a big hack that happened to a big mm-hmm. company, but there 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 seems to be a misconception that hey listen I'm not a big company why would they go after oh, me? No, they will, right? <laughs> and uh, and I, I'm going to give you a chance to answer that question and and just so that you know just so everyone from a business because we ha- we do have business leaders that listen to this as well and I want them to understand really uh, uh this really important concept because it it's something that uh um it's something that it's like a perpetuated myth uh that only the big person it's actually the other way around it's the other uh, way very much yes. so i i would i would say uh to all those business professionals watching pay very close attention to your c-suite very close attention to their habits, the way they log in, the way they do things. I would say, uh, if it, me personally, on on, a, on the level of of ethical hacking, if I were to go into a small medium business, um, my target would be going on LinkedIn and seeing who is bragging about being a small business owner, and I could get the most information out of that um, than, than you would believe. And small hacks across many small companies lead to really big payouts. Um, you are not immune. And the reason that you're not immune is because you don't have, uh, most of these small companies are, are like mine. I'm the only IT guy in my company. I'm one person and I'm managing up to 40 people at a time, 40 devices. I've got a lot of BYOD devices. I've got a lot of infrastructure that I have to put in place. And I've got a lot of management that I have to go through to, to keep that protected. Um, some of us uh, use third party. Um, I specifically use Arctic Wolf. Got to give them a huge shout out. If you don't know who they are, they're a fantastic third party security company. Um, I recommend them to anyone and everyone. And, uh, you know, building your network out of, of, as once again, as a, a single IT professional, it is very difficult to manage when things go bad, and especially if things were to go really bad on something like a zero-day exploit. Um, I'm going to be the last on the list on Microsoft support. I'm going to be the last on the list for Google support. I'm going to be last on the list for for all the major places that get hit and where all of my information is going to be let, let loose. You know, the the best I can hope for is maybe what a Charlie Eight escalate, escalation in in Microsoft. <laughs> That's the best I can hope for, and that is still what you know, seven hundred, eight hundred companies ahead of me on a zero day exploit. And so, um, you're definitely targeted more. What you see in the news is. You know, it, it's kind of the elaborate farce. It gives the illusion of safety. Oh, Microsoft fixed this giant um, Chinese hack, this giant C-suite, and it only affected the DOD for this amount of time. They don't say anything about the other 200 businesses that are affected by that same hack and just have yeah. no coverage. Yeah. And so yep. you have to pay attention, especially as a small business owner. Um, one of the biggest, I think one of the biggest flaws in in the mindset is, if I'm a small company, my IT should be cheap. Um, it's actually the complete opposite. You should be spending seven to ten percent. If you're a small and medium business, you, be, you should be spending seven to ten percent of your um, revenue on your IT systems and technology. And larger uh, and corporations, about three. Yeah, you're you're actually absolutely right, which is interesting because um, you know we we see 
I've worked for small companies. I've worked for large companies, right? You know, it, large companies, you're lucky to get three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they squeeze it down to two, 1.5 if you're, uh, you know, um, and you're, and you're always digging to get, to get more budget. Yes. S- smaller companies, the, pro- the problem that they run into, right, is their infrastructure. It's like, do we invest on a in an on-prem infrastructure that we throw a bunch of capital in and then we let it sit there for a long period of time until it's still working? Why don't I replace it? Right. Oh, that brings me you to know? my favorite phrase. What <laughs> right? we're doing then, is working. Why are we changing it? Oh. <laughs> and then um and then and then you have the uh, the other things, right? Which is uh, um, you know, hey, uh, um, you know, let's move all of our stuff in into the cloud, right? And and but now you've got a, a big operational cost, right? And then what if it's a company that that uh, requires a lot of different storage and all the type of stuff? Now you run into lots of problems there, and uh, you know, you have this, you know, this this problem where it's like, where where do I put the money, right? And as a small to medium business, and and also, uh, you know, I, I can't afford to, you know, turn around and, and fork out 7% to IT. Right. And, and then the question is, well, can you afford losing your data? Can you afford being down for how long? Can you, I mean, so that's the, that's the question that you have, you know, how important is your data? How important is your uh, credit business critical items, right? To keep them up and up and running. So it's a, it's a real quandary uh, for them. And, and on top of that too, uh, there's no, um, you know, it's really easy for the larger companies to pay someone to come in uh, and make them compliant, right? Correct. And then keep them compliant because they, you know, and put a compliance uh, thing in place. But how how do they? Uh, how does a small company uh, put in a compliance and keep it going, right? Correct. And and uh, and keep it funded because the requirements. If they if they want to play in in the in in the same type of arena and get the same type of clients, right? They're going to have to play in the same compliance arena, right? Absolutely. And, and so, you mentioned something. You mentioned something about. Um, and and I tend to pivot when I, when I talk about uh, technology and and what your spend is. It's not so much can you afford to lose your data? Can you afford to lose your clients' data? Because as a as a small company, your credibility is 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 so easily crushed. You know, Walmart can lose um, tens of thousands of clients' records, and people are still going to go to Walmart. It, they're they're so big that nothing. It's really not going to change much. Are they going to feel the heat a little bit? Maybe. Are they going to have a compliance fine? Maybe. But as a small business it's astronomical because people will just leave. You don't have a client base to keep that up. You could lose 50% of your revenue over overnight and then fighting and clawing to get that back as a small business. It's so much harder. And so that's why I tend to change the view from, can you afford to lose your data to, can you afford to lose your clients? Because that's, that's really what it comes down to. Every business operates on some sort of service. Small businesses are service-related 90%. I, I, I'm going to make up a stat 90% of the time. Uh, they're service-related in some sort. They're delivering a good. They're delivering something special. They're doing something that's you know a limited scope. Whatever it is, small businesses um, depend on their credibility. And once that's lost, it's very hard to fight and claw back. Once you become large, 
it doesn't really affect you as much. And so you can afford to um, not have things going as smoothly as you want. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I look at it on the pivot. Well, that you end. have a little bit of a buffer room for error. You have an uh, error gap. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and you don't have that when you're a small to medium business. So you no. uh, you have to be on your A game. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get uh, you're, you're going to be done. Um, it, it's a great point. And I actually love the pivot because it makes it makes complete sense. And it actually puts the um, it puts the onus where it really needs to be, which is you, you're being entrusted with your client's data. Yes. They trust you. Do you want to ruin that trust? And, and that's a that's a, kind of a really good way to kind of look at it. Um, you had mentioned, uh, um, also, uh, that, you know, uh, you're, you're working for manufacturing. You have worked for manufacturing in the past. Um, uh, I've, uh, I, I have worked for manufacturing companies. I have, uh, um, consulted with manufacturing companies, uh, and a big, big hurt, uh, for them is they buy these, um, proprietary devices, Correct. Uh, yes. And oh. they're really, really expensive. And they come from a, a company that does only that. Right. And Correct. buying another one is a huge investment. Um, so they tend to keep these devices uh, and uh, people around that can continue to keep them working. Um, mm-hmm. And they keep them for a really long time. But what do we know about life cycles? Right. We know that the life cycle uh, of a of a workstation operating system is going to last, you know, uh, a, a very short period of time. The life cycle of a server operating system a little bit longer, but not much, right? Mm-hmm. So they pop these operating systems on there and they don't update them, and so you Correct. sit there with these completely vulnerable systems that you know when everybody's migrating to uh, Windows uh, um, eleven, right? They're, uh, you know, they're migrating from uh, Microsoft Bob. Correct. So. <laughs> but you're not wrong. There's going to be like five people that get that reference, by the way. So I love that reference. That was awesome. <laughs> um, I, I will, t- I will tell you. You know what it is. What it comes down to is, it's a. It comes down to a very famous NASA quote. Um, it's a failure of imagination. They they come through and they get these proprietary devices like, oh, this is going to change my business. And they don't think, they, they understand, they get the warranty and the, 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 the salesperson comes in and says, yeah, you know, this device is going to last you 25 years. And, but they never mention the operating system ever. I mean, look how many like laser and plasma bays are out there in manufacturing facilities. <laughs> They're still running off of <laughs> very old antiquated systems. And, you know, and, and you look at these and you go, how did this how did you spend millions of dollars on this piece and there's zero way to upgrade it the fact is is there's many places that do upgrade they do have modular systems they have systems that are designed to be upgraded they do they create adapters for new systems they 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 do those types of things there's a there's a ridiculous amount of them um they just it's just not always the the cheapest option. You know, they're looking at a twenty five thousand dollar machine versus a thirty five thousand dollar machine. This twenty five thousand dollar machine has the same warranty as the other one. What's the difference? Ninety percent of the time, I don't think they're looking at the OSS, and most of the time, I don't think they care. They're like, oh well, it's not my computer. Um, but but now you have to start caring because uh, I mean, look at what happened to. Uh, what was that GM facility that uh, all of their robot arms got compromised and they had? Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, that that was a that was a major major flaw, and it was a choice of of choosing 
um, a a machine um, that was very very precise and very good at its job. It did the it did the same thing as the next one, but it was just vulnerable. And so, as a once again as a business owner and even as a large business, you have to start looking at the the, the creative ways that people hack into machines now. Um, like I said, you know, nobody thinks about farmers. No one thinks about them. And I use them as examples quite a bit um, because if you've ever driven through, you know, Idaho, Montana, you throw a, you, <laughs> you throw a Wi-Fi uh, card into monitoring mode and just start searching and start looking at all these access points that are just out there. And they're all named, you know, farm one, farm two with the first name. And so the amount of information that you can get from just getting into a device that's connected to their entire net, all the way up to their home from their wow. sprinkler system to their home it's all connected and they and it, the amount of access that you can get to someone so quickly from the side of the road you don't even have to go to their house anymore you know i've got a thousand yards between me and them and i'm connecting to their sprinkler system and then getting into their home network you know how how ridiculous is that to think that we uh, that we allowed technology to get so out of hand in some of these manufacturing places some of these very critical very critical manufacturing uh, facilities and they're the same as the farmers it's exactly the same thing sorry yeah. to ramble a little bit on that one <laughs> no that's i mean you know it's an interesting thought because um you know we tend to think of you know we tend to think of businesses we tend to think of you know uh, um businesses that you can walk into a building or a warehouse and stuff like that but but farming uh is is something that you know doesn't necessarily happen in a warehouse doesn't happen in a nope. in a building right <laughs> And, um, and it's a, it's an interesting, uh, uh, thought to go to a field, uh, you know, uh, um, lean up next to a cow and, and hack, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's a very know. weird thought. That's <laughs> not the, uh, uh, kind of makes a, kind of makes me miss gateway a little bit. <laughs> oh, let's not, oh, let's, <laughs> please don't bring those computers up again. Oh my gosh. What a scam were gateways, right? <laughs> overpriced oh hardware for for nothing oh gosh it, it, but what an age for us to be in though like when we start to think about gateway and dell and and the speed at which operating systems and hardware became obsolete and how fast it happened for you know us millennials and gen xers we saw some incredible feats in technology that were so fast and to feel I feel the slowdown now. I don't know about you, but I feel the slowdown of technology. I feel like we're getting longer life cycles out of a lot of things. You know, uh, although we're getting new things, uh, you know, look at Nvidia. You know, I can still use a 2080 and play every single game that's out right now. You know, hey, how, how long have you had your cell phone? I, ex exactly. I mean, I have brand new cell phones, but uh, and we also, I also really want to <laughs> dive into that. How long could you keep your cell phone? Is really what it is. I mean, you can now. I mean, you could keep. You can keep. I, I have a friend that just upgraded from his Galaxy S six. You know, but remember when the Nokia's were becoming obsolete? It was it was one thing after another. We went to razors, then we went. We watched the rise and fall of BlackBerry. <laughs> you know? I miss my Nokia. I still miss my <laughs> Nokia and playing Snake. I just, I, 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 you know, there was. I don't know if there was any better moment just to sit there and play Snake on a Nokia and be like, doo, doo, doo. <laughs> it was a time. It was the time of our lives, man. And then uh, when they started putting Galaga on them, remember that? You could do the <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was so great like uh i i but it, 
but thinking about that and thinking about the speed of which it happened, and now we've got the Zoomers that are living in current technology, and what we're going to see, what what I feel we're going to see, is something that you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, AI and, and you know self-driving vehicles and automation and how that's going to affect places like truck drivers and things like that, but it's going to affect the entire industry. A lot of these a, a lot of these kids that are learning technology, they're going to have no idea what they're looking at. I mean, they're, they're going to look at it and they're going to go, what is this? This doesn't make any sense. It's, is this a touchscreen? No, you got to use tab. There's no mouse. No. <laughs> like, And so we're going to get to the point where some of these antiquated ideas are going to have to be upgraded really, really quickly. And how do they get upgraded? What 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 parts, what, uh, what chips are we using? And how are we going to make those decisions? And how secure are they going to be? In a world where security is an illusion, um, I think that illusion is going to start breaking down much faster in the next 10 years. Uh, well, you're, I mean, you're right. And, you know, I, I you know, you, you, when you brought up AI uh, and, and now your current ability to just have it create code for you, oh, yeah. uh, 80% of the way in uh, a minute, you know what I mean? I mean, if you're a good coder, you can get uh, um, a, a program created in uh um you know a really i mean it's ridiculous how quick it is yeah. i you know even i know i didn't know a certain uh programming code I, uh, um and i went out and i was like just create something and i was able to edit it and get it to work and i didn't even know the code right yeah. i mean you know it's like if you have a basic understanding of operating like sorry of um programming languages yeah. and uh you go out there and be like i just write it in this i don't know i'll figure it out on my way and and it'll correct code for you. It's ridiculous. It's it, it is such a um. And if if you can create that that quickly, that means that viruses and malicious uh uh um uh, malicious software, all that can be created that much more quickly. Well, you're creating you're creating an environment where you you don't just have sophisticated um sophisticated individuals or cells, you know, creating a single program or a single zero day exploit, you've got, you know, computers across the entire world. And you've got people that you can just say, Hey, ask ChatGPT to do this. And you've got, you've got suddenly you've got, you know, every one of your nodes is overloaded and you can't, you can't judge the traffic anymore. And, and you're going, what's happening? <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to change. It's, it's really is going to change the world. And it's, I think it's going to be for the better. Ultimately, I think, uh, you know, dealing with AI and, and uh, starting to, really embrace it is going to be important. Um, but said one of the biggest things that's got to change quickly is security. And we've got to understand that most of the, some of the most critical foundations of, of countries are literally teetering on a Windows XP program <laughs> and an access point that's barely got enough security to keep it off a of word list, you know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's scary to think, but it's true. And, and it's a really, uh, it's a really big deal. <laughs> um, it, 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 when you mention that uh, these systems that uh, are antiquated and 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 primarily in use by um, uh, uh, you know manufacturing, I'm not saying that that's the only place because there's other places that that actually have antiquated systems as well. <laughs> um, uh, it, it point to healthcare, and that's another another yes. big one. Uh, um, but you know where 
where if you want to know why facts still exist, go to healthcare, right? <laughs> if you want to see dial-up modems still exist, go to healthcare, right? Um, exactly. That you know, you have all these these kind of older systems that, um, and and you made a really good point about it, which was, um, we have a a, a generation coming in who are not used to these systems. Uh, they don't understand these systems. They were not, they didn't grow up with these systems. Um, <clears throat> they didn't use DOS. They didn't tab around. They don't know, you know, and, and I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying no. that this is what they were given, right? And so then they're going to come into a environment and go, what do I need to do? Why? Why do I need to do this? And that's actually great. That's actually a good thing because that's going to be an innovation change. That, Correct. Uh, that, it, it should that, be. It should be, right? Because it, you're, you're going to run into a problem. I think this is what you're alluding to where the workforce, uh, the workforce training, right? Uh, budget <laughs> will be too high. <laughs> Yeah. And it'll force it'll force the hand of the uh, um, of the antiquated systems to actually get upgraded. And that's I, I think that's probably one of my biggest frustrations in technology, um, especially in IT. Um, I, every IT professional has experienced this, and so I can say this very confidently: we have all met people in our careers that are so resistant to change, resistant to the point of sabotaging <laughs> you know we have we have all seen like the extremes that people will go to to not change and i think that's the frustration that i come into because we've got you know you've got multi-million dollar companies that aren't even looking and you know they're, they're not even looking they're not even they're like oh no it's not gonna happen to us and then it does and then they go what happened? How, <laughs> where, where did this come from? Why was it? And you go, there's been hundreds of thousands of people talking about this for so long. And just it, it takes it, it for some reason, it just takes a, a, a massive, you know, event for people to actually go forward with it. I thought that we were going to get, you know, a much bigger uh, look into the the recent zero day attack that hit Microsoft. I mean, we, we the DOD was attacked within what? 13 hours, like directly affected. Very, was, very quick. Very quick. And it wasn't just a small DOD breach. This was a very large DOD breach. And you would think that in that moment, we would see, you know, uh, a, a change of heart in the way that some of, you know, the major systems work. But Microsoft was like, oh, here's some free security tools. <laughs> And we're like, well, what about upgrading those tools? What about changing the way that we, you know, changing the way that we look at keys, changing the way that we uh, generate keys, changing the way that we allow access to this? You know, let's talk about the fact that some of this was social engineering. Ah, wait, hold on a second. Why did one person have the key to be able to breach the DOD? How how is that even remotely possible um, in, in this day and age? And you're you're talking about Microsoft. We're not talking about mom and pop. We're talking about the largest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, entity and both. Wait, I think they're the largest entity in security as well. Uh, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. Um, wait, we won't quote you. Recorded <laughs> in here. He, he'll, he's okay. allowed to be wrong on that. <laughs> I don't have Google pulled up right now, so I don't. I don't know everything. Um, but no, when you start looking at that type of uh, those types of situations, you start looking at. You see the resistance to change, and then you've got people like um, um, Occupy the Web. 
you know, a fantastic book. If you've never read it, it's uh, getting, getting started, becoming a master. Ha- yeah. Go oh, ahead getting started, it. becoming a master hacker. And it's uh, by a guy. Um, he goes by Occupy the Web and he does classes and seminars on, on ethical hacking and, and the, the exploits and the things that are being used. And you would be so shocked to see some of the um, systems that are just still in use because they're there. They're just available. And, and we go through, the, we go through the, the, the process of going, this would be so easy to close up. And it's just not. <laughs> and and so that's that's what you deal with in, in IT. And that's what you deal with with people. And that kind of brings me to my next big point of how, how do you feel about I, I'm going to ask you a question. How do you feel oh. about the USB C change in um, uh, USB? I'm sorry, going from Lightning to USB C in the iPhone 15. Have you well, looked into so that at all? As an, as an Android <laughs> user, I welcome it. So, <laughs> do you really? I don't. No, no, I do because well, and here's the, here's the reason. Um, I I understand that the uh, um, you know it's sometimes good to have different connectors and right. and, and stuff like that. Um, and mainly because it it sparks innovation and it sparks stuff like that. But it's also good sometimes to have standards. Uh, and and the reason why uh, I I I put that down because. Certain things need standards so that you can uh, and enforce the uh, security of those items correctly. So if mm-hmm. you have, if you have, uh, um, you know, some people using a, a Lightning connector and some people using a USB C connector, right? And then you've got different, uh, you know, uh, different uh, competing security standards from it. It Correct. becomes very difficult and, and hard to enforce it. I'm not saying that everyone should use the same thing, but when it comes to power, like, like there's a there. there Power is a good thing to standardize, right? Yes. So otherwise, you get you know if you ever traveled abroad uh, and had to bring eight different connectors with you, yes. you understand why power is such a good thing to standardize. Power is great to standardize, but we're not talking about power in the iPhone 15. We're talking about and and this is this is the point that I'm, uh, you're going to so go into I've, data transfer. Yeah, I'm going to go into data transfer, and I'm going to go to data transfer for for a specific reason. I've got about 15 uh, iPhone 15s over here, and <laughs> I have a hundred percent breach rate on them. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> I have 100. percent I'm working on a project uh, specifically uh, involving iOS that I want to bring to DefCon next year. Um, I, I have one. I have 100 percent breach rate on them, oh, and my it's. Gosh. It's scary to think uh, because this is my thought on it. The this was Apple's fault. Apple had an opportunity to standardize to to make the Lightning adapter the standardized adapter across everywhere. If they could have released the technology, it would have been everywhere. Galaxy would have adopted it. Everybody. And by the way, would have I would have been it. fine with that. I I would have been know. fine with it. Yeah. I'm just fine for standardization. I don't <laughs> yeah. care what we standardized on. <laughs> just standardize something, right? But the the problem is is. It, it, in my suspicions were very, very true, and and this is a this is a shout out to uh, Apple as a fashion company. Um, they failed to realize um, that this was coming. They failed. They th- they thought they were invincible. The EU, you know, mandated it. They immediately, instead of instead of resisting, instead of going, well, why don't we do this instead? They just like, okay, we'll just put a we'll just put a USB C in there. The GUI is completely open and barren right now. Um, there's about say, I, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of a company called OMG. Uh, no, I have not actually. Uh, give me one more second. 
And we are learning so much stuff on this uh, <laughs> podcast today. It's fantastic. Uh, and, and for the people that are listening and are not going to see this, the um, he is scooting around his uh, uh, room, just <laughs> grabbing different items, uh, uh, you know, like 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 their props. Right. By the way, before we get into some, before we get into OMG, let's take a, a shout out to this room you've got right here, which is. <laughs> Uh, uh, like you're, it's like your den and you've got this, uh, um, I, I can see in the background, you've got a, a keyboard, uh, with little, uh, microphone there, yeah. uh, yeah. Guitars. With, uh, guitars, got so a Pilates bike music. over here. Yeah, yeah man. It's just, <laughs> you sit on the, sit on the bike, play the guitar, but you know, no, this is great. This is, uh, this is really, uh, it's like your spot down here. I'm it is, and I'm actually re- I'm actually remodeling it right now. Uh, so <laughs> so that's, that's also a really fun thing. I'm I'm really proud of what I've done down here. I'm really proud of it. It's it's going to look really great once I'm finished. Uh, I actually uh, got a hold of a bunch of pegboard, and I'm able to acoustically uh, dampen my room finally, and you know make that's my awesome. little recording place. That's, that's <laughs> no, no, that's really nice. But uh, back to it. I'm gonna. No one's gonna think anything of this. It's a. Uh, it looks to be a very standard. Besides this little orange clip here, um, these are formed as if they are in the manufacturing world. They're the, they're the same as any other USB C. Uh, yeah, it looks like just you. to me. It looks yeah. like just a basic USB C cable. Can't yeah. even really tell the difference. There's there's no extra markings on them. They've got the standard. You know, they've got the standard USB uh, marking on them. That's um, that's very easy. With if this I cable, up, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know a difference. Would never know. You would you would never know. You wouldn't be able to feel the difference. And and believe me, I've tried to figure it out. I've tried to figure out a way because I had one of these go missing in my house, and I was trying to find it. <laughs> They're not cheap. Uh, let's let's just go by this. Um, but with this device, um, I have been literally so this in one end of this. There's called an uh, there's an active end, and it's actually got a chipset in it. Um, it spits out a Wi-Fi signal. Um, that you can uh, log into through a GUI on your on your on your phone just through a Web3 base. Um, you go to the you go to the address on it, and uh, it injects um, a lot of code very quickly. I can build uh, full payloads. I know most people are familiar with things like rubber duckies. You know the USB version of those. Um, this is a rubber ducky in a cable form. Um, it will charge your phone. If you plug it into a charger, it will charge your phone. You'll never know. I also have the ability to, if it starts, if I start feeling like it's going to get detected, um, I can remotely disable this and it just stops working and people generally just throw it away. One of the, there's, I, I can't remember what the estimate is, um, but I'm sure there's close to a million of these just in circulation, just out and about, um, randomly and sitting this, there. And you this see is that why a, you shouldn't use public chargers. This is why you should never use a cable that you didn't personally buy. Exactly. The other side of it is this. These are very, 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 very easy uh, to pack and ship. Um, And so if I were to, I don't know, start a little Amazon store and, you know, sell USB-C cables, who would ever know? Um, And so it's, it's... (laughs) It's scary to think uh, about how many of these are out there and, and what's going on with them. But I can literally, um, on an iPad Pro, this is the kind of the, I'll, I'll tell you what I've gotten into so far. On an iPad Pro, as you know, they were USB-C. I could turn on the camera and start recording, and you didn't even know that the camera's on. I could turn on the audio, and I could record audio, record the first voice recorder, and upload it to a server. You didn't even know what was going on. It's install a keylogger. Um, 
uh, give full keyboard access, things like that. Um, and that's on an iPad Pro. And many more people have iPhones. Wow. So that, I mean, just think about that. That's just amazing. And then 100% breach rate, breach rate on, uh, on, the, on what you tried there. That's amazing. Yes. Uh, see, and, and, <laughs> and so let's take this one step further, right? Because let's go back now, knowing this information, and we'll go back to OMG. I'm not done with that. Can yeah, I ask but... for a pause really quickly? Sure. I'm yeah. so sorry. Can I ask for a pause? Give me one yeah. moment. I need to turn off my camera. I mean, sorry for that uh, brief break. Uh, there was a, uh, um, I think there was a, a, a hack uh, that he, he needed to stop while we were doing this. So um... <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was that important. I really do. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's interesting. I actually wanted to pick up because um, you made a really good point with these uh, cell phones um, and, and breaching them with this just USB cable. Uh, because there is a threat that uh, exists right now for a lot of businesses, and it's a big one. And it is uh, um, people accessing data, uh, business data, critical business data from their personal devices. Um, and I, I can't tell you how how big this is, uh, because a lot of companies don't want to buy, uh, um, uh, you know, buy cell phones for their uh, employees. Uh, so they allow them to use their personal devices and people don't want to carry around two different cell phones. So they just open up, you know, uh, Microsoft Teams or Google on their uh, um, on their personal devices that are, you know, you, companies can't really install anything on to protect them uh, legally. Right. So what what's your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, there there are options for this. Uh, you know, there are MDMs out there that are that are for BYOD devices. Google does a pretty good job on Android, things like that. There's also a company called Jamf um, for for iOS devices, and they 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 tend to stay pretty far ahead of the curve as far as far as security is concerned um, with iOS. And I recently, I actually recently had a meeting with them, and they're they're fantastic. They just acquired a small company um, that was specifically doing some really, really amazing work um, in iOS security due to hardware breaches like we're talking about now uh, with USB cables. And so there are companies out there that are aware of it. They are they are taking care of it. Um, they, they exist. It's just a matter of the spend. The spend is quite high. You know, when, it, when I get quoted for the specific security that I'm looking for, um, specifically what, what I'm looking for is I have, uh, I have employees that travel quite often. Right. And so when they're getting ready to travel, they simply, uh, through, through jam through the program they have, they simply plug their device into their computer, uh, run a piece of software, that software scans it, make sure that the device is in a good state. They go to another traveling, whether that's overseas or to a different place. When they come back before they can access company data again, they once again on, on their laptop or whatnot, they simply plug their plug their phone in, run a scan. It tells if there's any breaches. It looks for any changes in the device. Um, specifically, you know, one of their greatest um, achievements was locating uh, the, the Pegasus exploit um, very, very successfully. I, I think their success rate was extremely high on iOS and mobile devices. And so... There are companies out there that are doing it. They're just expensive because they're good at what they do. And so you have to, 
you have to explore, you have to be, be willing to, um, to understand, like I said, that goes back to what, what risk are you willing to take of your client's data? Are you willing to, you know, just put it all out there and go and hope for the best? Or do you really want to be a company that takes care of your clients? That's a, that's, I mean, that's a, again, what a great way to really outline it for that. And, uh, it, it's a way that, you know, those those options are good ways to mitigate if you can get your employees to agree, right, to mm-hmm. load the load that program and get them to adhere to plugging it in and all that stuff. Um, I, I, I hope that that can that stuff continues to evolve and they're able to, um, you know, really find a, a really good ways to to prevent that, because I, I do see that that as being a, a major threat, especially when you show me cables that, you know, people can just plug in and. Get, and and breach and get access to because you know that, that well that's data. company devices too that's that's the that's the thing you know you, you mentioned byod devices you know uh employees you know using their own devices and things like that this cable doesn't care if it's a byd byod or if it's a company device it has not a care in the world it's gonna it's gonna perform the same operations at a kernel level um no matter what you know it's a hardware Good breach. Point. and so, yeah <laughs> and so it, it that's that's something that you that you have to you have to look at from a once again there's perspective of you know doing proper training um making directives you know it, it's not hard for me to say hey if you're going to go overseas you need to let me know and uh i'm going to lock your account for the duration of that time unless you really need it and then you know here are the steps we're going to take here's the device that i've prepped for it take this device and this is the only one that you're going to be able to access from. It's, it's not hard to instill those it's work, um, especially it's, for a it's, small company. It's, it's work. Security versus convenience. And, uh, yes. you know, and <laughs> that's the, that's always the, you know, that's, that's always the problem, right? You can install a, uh, you can go live in a house with no windows and you'll, uh, and no doors and you'll be really secure. Right. But, uh, exactly. the minute you, Install a door or a window, uh, and the more you do to make it prettier and more convenient, uh, then you you start uh, you know uh, opening up risk. So yeah, I think I think you're right on that. It's a tightening of uh, education, it's a tightening of uh, of policy and procedure, and putting these in place and understanding the risks. So I, it's yes. a really good really good conversation here to be had. Um, when you when you were oh by the way I did uh, I did uh, agree to. Uh, OMG. You did agree, meaning? Yeah. No, I said uh, we were going to talk about that. Was that the cable? Oh, yes, that's the cable. Uh, that's, Got it. that's, okay. That's, so uh, OMG is a, it's actually not, it's, it's, it's a company and a person. Um, MG is an amazing, amazing uh, technical specialist. And, um, you know, he's partnered with places like Hack5, um, you know, which, which, you know, Hack5, as, as nefarious as it sounds, you know, they're all about ethical hacking and they're all about educating people and making it cool in such a way that people are attracted to it. But then, you know, it brings it brings younger people into, hey, I wanted to break into my friend's phone. And then you become a part of the community there. And, and the community is like, this is why you don't want to do that. You know, that's uh, that, that's that's the beauty of, of people like this. But in order to provide education, sometimes the breach has to happen. You know, sometimes it's it's the the school of hard knocks. 
And, you know, do you not manufacture these cables and partner with a company like that and just pretend like, you know, this problem doesn't exist because there's many other companies that are doing the same thing already. It's not just him. This is just the one that we know. This is just the one that's out in the open. You know, there's plenty of AliExpress um, cables that you can buy that I guarantee you are loaded with some of the same technology. And you've just got to be, you've got to either be ahead of the curve and be willing to dive in and learn it or get hacked and regret it later. It's such a good viewpoint on exactly what, uh, you know, a lot of computer professionals run into in their life, which is I know, uh, I know a lot of stuff and I know what to do uh, and, and how to abuse it, but I don't. Right. But, but I need to know how, because I need to be able to protect myself, my company, but you know, and all that type of stuff. So it, it's an interesting ethical quandary of, uh, and of how far you go to make sure you understand, uh, you know, the, the risks. Correct. The dilemma, the, the dilemma that I always run into is this is, and this is something that I, I'm sure a lot of people that have, that have, you know, gone the direction that have gone in is the temptation of how simple it is sometimes. <laughs> and it's, and I, and I say that, and I say that very, very clearly because uh, I, I think, I can't remember, I, I, I can't remember the stat on it, but, you know, there's a, there's a, a hacking study that was done um, that went around. Uh, it just was gathering as many networks as possible and doing a simple, it was literally a simple 10 digit phone number. It was, it was just numerical um, brute force hacks. And he, it was, it was almost half of the networks that were discovered were people's phone numbers. That is a, very common thing. And so when we start talking about, you know, the, the idea of, you know, responsibility, you know, windows, doors in your house and your, yep. your idea of security, it's, it's in your hands, whether you put 10 on your windows, whether you put them up when you put them up there, are you going to put curtains per- up so people can't see in all the time? Are you going to, uh, you know, are you going to get a, a doorbell with a camera on it so you can see who's there? You know, it's, there's, there's options for all of this. And if you refuse to progress and you just sit in the same old, that's that's where you're going to end up, and that brings me to my next <laughs> fun thing uh, with IT. I it, it you know getting back into the IT and getting kind of away from the ha- hacking thing. I, I don't know about you, but you've 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 worked in manufacturing, you've worked in uh, other facilities. How easy is it to implement a new system? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's the best thing in the world, and it's, it's a thousand percent easier. Than the current system that are using, how difficult is it to do that? It requires uh, a monumental effort to first understand uh, the business processes that are in use, right? Yep. Whether or not they make sense or not, and should be continued moving forward. Uh, you have to get fifteen people in a room for one process to understand it from A to B. Right. You can't because no one understands just the whole thing. It's always 15 different people are like, wait, I think it's this. And I think that's why we do this. And I think that's why we do this, Uh, because the people that implemented it usually are long gone. Uh, They've moved on. And so you're trying to piece together a bunch of different 
I think we do it this way because I've just always done that and I don't know why. So, and then, you know, so I actually welcome when a new, when people say we should put in a new system because then I go, yes. And we should just, at this point, we should figure out why we do all the things that we do and throw half of them out the window, simplify the process and then, uh, and then put the new system in place. Um, because that's, that's in putting new systems in place is the, uh, um, is the, the, the way in which to leap forward. Well, you know, going back to that, you said, you said you've done some consulting and, uh, I'm sure in that world, how many companies have you run into that just don't have SOPs at all? Uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The majority, the majority. Yeah. yeah, Or they're too old and and they don't make any sense. And that's something that I that I think is is lost upon um, some of the IT world and why. So I I am paid quite well. Um, I'm still underpaid because uh, I'm with a small and medium company, um, but it's it's okay. You know my review is coming up and we'll see what happens. And I I love where I work. I love my job. Um, but there's a lot of IT professionals that go in uh, to a company and just expect everything to work. And the unique thing about working with small to medium businesses is sometimes you have to learn their business. And yes. that takes me back to one of the things that I said in the beginning is one of the best experiences and one of the best things that, that, that taught me the most about how to be a good IT professional was being a recruiter, learning how to talk to people uh, because you're not going into a team of like-minded individuals anymore. Um, most of the time when you're getting hired, you're getting hired on a small and medium business, you're getting hired with people that have made it work and their system works for what they're doing, even though it's probably far from correct. And so you have to learn to communicate with them on a different scale. You have to learn to be kind, uh, you know, understand perspectives and implement change that's meaningful, but also doesn't impact the business because one day of downtime can be detrimental to them. And so it's true. something that I, I have a really hard time. Um, you know, that's, that's something that I'm looking into. I'm looking into hiring uh, another IT professional. And I really have a hard time finding people that understand that. I've got a lot of people that I can have a technical, a ton of people that I can have a technical conversation with. I can talk about everything that needs to be done, but I can't depend on them to communicate with my small business and the leaders that are there and say, this is why we need to do this. It's just because this is the right way. It's normally what it is. It, it's, so interesting. I, I, it's interesting because I, and you, and you know, if you, when, when we record the, when this gets uploaded and, 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 and stuff like that, the uh, um, there'll be another podcast too, that talks about some, uh, this very similar thing, which was the communication soft skills are very hard to find right now. Very hard, very difficult, and um, and, and it's and it's something that you know <laughs> I think that uh, um, we believe will will just continue to uh, um, get worse unless we actually focus some training that way and uh, and, and help out uh, uh, some of the newer uh, folks that are coming in uh, that that um, that need to learn that uh, you know so it, it's a it's a tough thing and uh, even the folks that are here uh, now uh, you know not all of them have that that soft skills and be able to have that conversation and talk or have the business acumen in front of it right you know we're uh, we're moving information around uh, um, we need to understand why and and where that and how, how that information needs to move um, you know I wanted to 
uh, um, get into our last segment here, which is the IT crystal ball. Um, and we've we've been all over the place with this uh, <laughs> with this podcast in a great way. I think people are really going to uh, love this when they look at it. Um, yeah, let's do it. You know, the uh, um, when I talk about the IT crystal ball, uh, I I try to look about five years in the future. Uh, what's going to happen with IT? Um, and you know, I I, I, I usually focus on some, some, you know, certain items here. I'm just going to let you kind of run with it and go wherever you want with it, because it's going to be interesting. I mean, you've been, uh, uh, you've done a wide range of things, wide range of topics. And, uh, you know, I just want to hear your overall perspective on where we're going, uh, you know, in the next five years, uh, in in IT. Well, uh, I'll jump on it on two, from two perspectives. There's a cynical perspective, uh, that kind of goes into, uh, you know, the thought of uh, Zoomers really entering into the workforce, manufacturing jobs, uh, the amount of retirees versus the amount of people that are coming in, learning these jobs, um, that coupled with things like the, the the crippling fear of AI and it taking over jobs instead of understanding that those are job openings. Um, and so in the next five years, we could see we could see two very different things happen. We could either see an incredible amount of innovation that brings a lot of uh, technology to the forefront and we start seeing you know, what we experienced in our younger years of, you know, uh, millennials and Gen, Gen Xers of, of a technology boom. There's, there's a strong possibility of a technology boom happening in the next five years. Um, but the cynical side of me says that that's not going to happen. And what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot more breaches. We're going to see a lot more bad actors. Um, and, and when I say a, a lot more, I mean, there's going to be a noticeable, noticeable amount of things changing within, especially um, cell phones, personal devices, and things like that. Um, I truly think that in the next five years, it's going to be a big, massive change. And a lot of that's going to be due to what released today. Um, and that was the that was the iPhone 15 going to USB-C. Um, now we've got pretty much everything on one universal adapter, and we're going to see um, how that affects uh, different companies and how many companies are willing to um, go into unified security protocols, um, as as well as just you know having a, an adapter that charges everything. And so, cynical view: next five years going to be pretty rough. Um, optimistic view: we're going to see a technology boom. People are going to embrace AI, and it's going to be really, really fun. Uh, I I I absolutely like it, uh, nerds. Uh, I'm Michael Moore, hosting this podcast for dissecting popularity nerds. Um, I've been here with Jake Randolph. Uh, Director of Information Technology at Western Steel Buildings. Jake, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, please come on again. I, I know I got a whole host of things to talk to you about. <laughs> anytime. I, I am willing to come on anytime. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs>